Amen. Thank you, Anton. Again, I want to thank, uh, thank you, those of you who are praying for me during my little surgery. Thank the Lord that it went well. Still have some sweating left. Uh, I was going to wear my glasses up, but Lindsay told me I look like a Chinese mafia. <laughs> so I decided I better not do that. Um, but I'm thankful they want to do something with the next eye as well. But I'm trying to put that off. The doctors wanted me to stay over until next week, but I wanted to be here for today. And that's why we're here. So we, we are thankful for your prayers, and we are thankful for the fact that God does hear and answer prayer, right? Because, you know, I am not a friend of pain. In fact, I'm an enemy to pain. And I was praying a prayer, Lord, don't let me feel anything. Now, that's kind of crazy prayer to pray when you have a surgery, right? But you know God answered that prayer? It was amazing. I laid on that, piece, that uh, bed that they have there, and she says, now, Leslie, we're going to put a little thing in your vein here. It's, it's, this is what's going to, just a little uh, thing to make you feel all right. So it'll be a little sting. Say, what's your name? Says Alan Lee. Good. Then I, next thing I remembered, he says, what's your name? This time I was a little drowsy. He says, Alan Lee. He says, what would you like to drink? Orange juice? Apple juice? Or orange and pineapple? I said, orange and pineapple. He says, okay, in just a few minutes, just put your legs over carefully and then walk over to this chair. I thought that's when we were going to do the operation. But it was finished. It was over. I said, Lord, thank you for answering prayer. So we're thankful for that. Well, we are in what season of the year? Some of you are afraid to say the word. Christmas season, isn't it? That's the season we call it, the Christmas season. Do you know that it was not until the 15th, I think actually in the 1500s, that um, it's after the 1500s that, that Christmas was actually observed legally in the United States. You know that the pilgrims actually outlawed Christmas because it was too boisterous and devilish. Do you know that? That's right. Do you know also that nowhere in the scriptures, I'm sure you do, is there any, any mention of the celebration of the birth of Christ? Celebration I'm talking about. In fact, when you go to the scriptures, you'll find very little emphasis on the birth of Christ as far as any celebration is concerned. The only thing that's celebrated in the New Testament is what about Christ? His death. It's the only thing. You know, a question came to me, why is that? Why is it that if you go to the scriptures, you won't find any real focus on the birth of Christ? In fact, when you read the New Testament and you look at the preaching of the apostles, do you know that the death of Jesus Christ wasn't emphasized as much as the resurrection? And do you know something else? The birth of Christ was hardly mentioned at all. That's right. It's amazing, isn't it? Now, why is that? Well, I think if you go to the scriptures, you get a little clue to it. For instance, take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'll just read from verse 8 for connection. Paul the Apostle, speaking to his young uh, understudy, protege, Timothy says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us. And called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. 
Now, boy, this is a powerful passage of Scripture. Notice, this was granted to us. This was a gift, salvation and all that is involved with it. Now, notice verse 10. But now has been revealed. This is the grace now. The grace which was granted to us in Christ Jesus from all eternity, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Isn't that a powerful passage of Scripture? But notice here now, it talks about the appearance of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, what is focused upon when salvation is spoken about in the Gospels? It's not just the birth of Christ, but it's the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In other words, folk in the Scriptures just didn't isolate one of these events. They saw the appearance of Jesus Christ as a total action on the part of God. His birth, His life, His miracles, His suffering his death on the cross, his resurrection, his ascension, they see that as all one appearing of the grace of God. Isn't that wonderful? And you see, we need to have that same kind of perspective as we approach this Christmas season as well. Now turn over to Titus chapter 2. You'll see the same emphasis or the same focus is made. Another powerful passage of Scripture here. Verse 11 the grace of God has appeared. You notice, that, you notice that phrase again? Has appeared. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Now some will stop there. It means the birth of Jesus Christ. No, it doesn't. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. You see that? This reference to the appearance of Jesus Christ is just not focused, just not, does not isolate his birth alone, but it involves his entire life and ministry as a whole. Now let's take a look at this passage because I believe it gives us a real insight into the true purpose of Christmas as we call it today. What was it that Jesus Christ, what was it that the that the Trinity, the triune God, had in mind with the appearance of Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at the passage. Verse 11, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Now, if you look at this passage, you will see that appearance is used twice here. One at the, verse 11 and one at verse 13. The first appearance has to do with uh, in the past. The second appearance has to do with the future. One is the past, one is prophetic. And in between is the time in which we live, which is called the, 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 the age of grace. And you're going to see here that God has put these three different aspects or spheres into focus in this passage. And I believe he's done that so that we could get an idea of the true meaning of Christ here. And so the appearance here in verse 11 does not refer only to the birth of Jesus Christ, but to his entire life from birth to his death and resurrection. And it ushers in, the appearance of Jesus Christ, ushers in the age of grace in which we now live. And in this age of grace, we are looking forward to that period when he will appear in his glory. So first, what is emphasized is his appearing in grace. Then what is emphasized again 
is his appearance in glory. And in between is the age of grace, which was ushered in through his first appearance. Beautiful passage here. Now, the word appearance is the Greek word epiphany. How many of you have heard that? Sure you have. The word means, in the Greek, a shining forth. That's a beautiful word. It means a shining forth. The New English Bible translates it this way. The grace of God has dawned upon the world. Isn't that fantastic? The grace of God has dawned upon the world. What a beautiful expression for us to remember during this Christmas season. It signifies the dawning of the grace of God upon his people, upon the world here. Now, let's look at the nature of this grace, of this appearance rather that is described here. This appearance which is described as the grace of God. I want you to notice that. The appearance of Christ is, appear, is, 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 is described as the grace of God. In other words, we could retranslate this verse and we could say here, For Jesus Christ has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. That's what the passage is saying. The grace of God is personalized, personified in Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. So this appearance is characterized then by grace, not judgment. John tells us in John chapter 3, verse 17, that God sent his Son into the world not to condemn the world, but what? That the world through him might be saved. That's grace. God's appearance... In the person of Jesus Christ was not one to bring judgment, but one to manifest the grace of God. God is the source of this grace. He is the initiator of this grace that brings salvation. In fact, His grace is the motivation for this salvation. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Now take a look at that. That's the result of this appearance. Salvation. What is salvation? This passage describes salvation for us. And we're going to see that's what Christmas is all about. The bringing of salvation to all men on the basis of the grace of God. Now when we talk about some salvation, people like to say, yeah, I have salvation. That means I'm going to be saved from hell. It's an insurance from hell. It's a, it's a reservation. I got a res reservation in heaven because I have salvation, because five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I placed faith in Jesus Christ. My friends, if that's how you describe your salvation, I encourage you to examine yourself to see whether or not you be in the faith. See, too many of us look back to the time we said a prayer, to the time we wrote a, a something on a card and say, that's when I was saved. If that's the only thing you can look back to say that you are saved, that you have salvation, you are in serious trouble. And you're going to see that in this passage. You're going to see in this passage, that's what Christmas is all about. Not to give us an insurance from the fires of hell or to give us a reserved seat in heaven. No, no, no. It's to cause us to represent and to be a people of God. You see? You're going to see that as we go along in this passage here now. Now, I, I don't want you to take this passage to mean that because salvation has appeared to all men, to mean that that means that men, all people are automatically saved. There's a teaching of that today. That because Christ died for all, then all are saved. You don't even need to preach the gospel. Why? Because he's, 
Blood covers all. Some people actually teach that. And unfortunately, some people actually believe that as well. But no, no. All the scripture, other scripture tells us that we need to place personal faith in Jesus Christ. That's why I take time every Lord's Day, and especially when we have the dedication of babies, to make that a point for you to understand that in order for you to experience God's salvation that came because of his grace, you must personally place faith in Jesus Christ, the one who appeared. That must be done personally. Yes, his salvation is available to all, but it's only applicable to those who avail themselves to his grace by personally accepting Jesus Christ as personal Savior. This is a past event. This first appearance here is already transpired. The glory of God departed from his people Israel. We have this story, the record in the Old Testament. The Shekinah glory leaving the tabernacle. The Shekinah glory leaving the presence of the people of God. That Shekinah glory did not appear again until the angels came on the mountains in Judea. When he gave the announcements of the appearance of Jesus Christ who came to be the Savior of the world, it says that the glory of God appeared. That's the Shekinah glory. The Shekinah glory, the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ came back to earth. And Jesus Christ appeared as a baby over 2,000 years ago. That's disappearance happened in the past here. The glory of God appearing in the person of this little baby there in Bethlehem's barn. What a magnificent event that was. And we must become more, even more awed over that during the Christmas season. But let's take a look at this passage carefully. Because this passage here tells us a lot about our salvation, the nature of our salvation. The purpose of the grace of God appearing. Notice what it says here. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. All who would accept him, of course. Instructing us. You see, the grace of God does not only, does not only bring us salvation in the first or initial stage. But it goes on and says that it also instructs us in the salvation that is brought. In other words, Jesus Christ came as a babe. He came, glory of God, the grace of God manifested in this little baby. He came for what purpose? To bring salvation, yes. But simply to give you that assurance against hell? No, no, no. The grace of God also instructs us how to live that salvation out in our lives. My point this morning is, that that's what Christmas is all about. It's not just a focus on Christ being born. But is he manifesting his birth in your life? That's what this passage is all about here. Now, this passage then tells us that God's grace instructs us in how and where salvation is to be lived out and how long it is to be lived out. First of all, it says, it teaches us to say no. You see that? President Reagan's wife was not the first person who came with us either to say, say no to drugs and immorality. It was in scriptures long ago. It's the grace of God who teaches us to say no. To what? To ungodliness and worldly passions. That's where the appearance of Jesus Christ 
on this earth was all about. To bring salvation, yes, but also to teach us how to live that salvation out. And one of the first things it tells us, it teaches us to say no to the kind of life we lived before that grace touched our lives. This means that there's a new way of life. There's a new master. We have a new allegiance now when we have this salvation. Our life is not supposed to be the same. And today, if your life is the same as it were when you prayed that prayer or filled out that coupon or whatever it was 5, 10, 15 years ago, and that's what you're looking about at the basis of your salvation, rather than how your life is lived now, my friends, I say examine yourself and see whether or not you are in the faith. It teaches us to say no. No to what? To ungodliness, unworldly passion. See, those are the things that we used to say yes to before the grace of God appeared. That's what Christmas is all about. But notice it says something else. Unto live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. In other words, this salvation that Christ came to bring does not only teach us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, but it teaches us to how to live an orderly, decent, proper lifestyle. Self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. That's what salvation is all about. That's what the grace of God does in a person's life who's really experienced that grace and are not just mouth some prayer. You want to know how you're saved? Look at your life right now. Are you saying no to ungodliness and worldly passions? Are you living a self-controlled, upright, and godly life? A decent lifestyle? You say no I've been trying, but no, I say again, re-examine. Because the grace of God teaches us how to say no and how to live godly lives. And so I say to you again, that's what Christmas is all about. You shall call his name what? Jesus. Why? Because he shall save his people from the sins. Look at it. It's in the plural. It's from the sins. It doesn't say for he shall save them from their sin. Meaning that's at the final judgment. No, that's involved. But what Jesus Christ came to do, what he is here for, why he appeared, was to save us from our sins. What we do every day. And if you do not have power over your sins, on a consistent, ongoing basis, I say to you again, examine yourself and see whether or not you be in the faith. Because that's what Christmas is all about. But you know, one of the craziest and one of the foolish things that are going to happen this year, as happens every year, people are going to celebrate the birthday of Jesus by carousing, by getting drunk, by committing fornication, and all kinds of those things. And they're going to be doing it in the name of celebrating Christmas. That's a slap in the face of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he came to save the people from those things. And you could compromise all you want. You could rationalize all you want. Well, I'm only going to take this drink. I'm only going to do this now. Just once. Why? Because it's Christmas after all. No, no, no. No, no, no. That's an indication that you're not saying no. That's an indication that you're not living a proper, pure that's an indication that perhaps the grace of God has really not, not touched your soul at all. And all you've done was be right out of form, and that's everything. That cannot get you into heaven. 
When are we supposed to live this kind of a lifestyle? When are we supposed to say no to these things? When are we supposed to live this decent, upright lifestyle? People say, when I get in heaven, boy, I ain't have no problem. That's not where we're supposed to do it. Notice what it says. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives where? In this present age. That means right now. And so the grace of God has appeared. That ushered in the age of grace in which we now live. And what are we supposed to be doing until we wait for the glorious appearance? We are to be living out that grace of God in this present age. And how is that manifested? By us living pure lives. By saying no to ungodliness. Now ungodliness is not just fornication and drugs. Ungodliness is lies. It's greed. It's debauchery. It's stealing from your bosses. It's doing things just to get ahead. Just because you know if you do this, you're going to get ahead. You're going to get a little raise. All of that is ungodliness if it isn't in keeping with the word of God. How long are we supposed to do this? Notice what he says now. While we wait for the blessed hope. And so this grace of God that has appeared bringing us salvation in the person of Jesus Christ, ushered in the age of grace in which the believer, the person who has experienced the touch of God's grace upon his life, now manifests the instructing, the teaching aspect of that grace by living godly, pure lives before God. And we are to do so while we wait. Not just passively. We're waiting for something. We're waiting for another appearance. That's what it says. While we wait for what? Look at the text. That blessed hope. You see that? What is the blessed hope? It is the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the same one. He's the same one who made this first appearance, who came as God's grace, as a personification of God's grace. But when he comes again, he's becoming as a personification of God's glory. The glory of God. Who is he? Who is this Jesus? He is the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, he isn't talking about two different people here. God, number one, and Jesus Christ, number two. He's talking about God who is Jesus Christ. He's talking about God who is our Savior. And our Savior who is Jesus Christ. This is one of the most powerful verses concerning the deity of Jesus Christ given anywhere in Scripture. And that's what Christmas is all about. He appeared first. The personification of the grace of God. And friends, let me tell you something. If it wasn't for the grace of God, none of us would be here today. You understand that, don't you? None of us. None of us would be here. It's only by God's grace. And he wants us to live out the results of that while we wait for him. But this coming day when he will appear again, this same great God, this same Savior, this same Jesus Christ, he's going to appear again. Again, the word is epiphany again. But now, in contrast to the first appearance, which is past, this second appearance is prophetic and is still future. We are now living in the present, in this present age, which is in between the first and second epiphanies of Jesus Christ. And what are we supposed to be doing here? Get this now. And this is what Christmas is all about. We are supposed to be showing people what Jesus Christ is like 
while we wait for him to come back. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Look at your life. Are you? Yeah, man, I'm a Christian, you know. Five years ago when the message preached, man, I walked down the aisle. I didn't ask you that. And God is not going to ask you that either. When you filled out a form, when you walked down the aisle, when you raised... I'm not saying these things are wrong. Don't get me wrong here. But those things do not save you. If anything at all, if they are real, they indicate that you are saved. No, no. But what he's talking about here is the salvation that God brought about in the person of Christ and which he teaches us about is one with manifest purity and godliness in our, real, in our lives. Now, now, I want you to see now. I want you to see the real reason why the grace of God in the person of Jesus Christ shone forth in his first appearance. Listen to the text, verse 14. Who gave himself up for us. Those are sacrificial terms. That's a term that is used in the offering of sacrifices. God gave his son up. He offered him as a sacrifice. And so Christmas, when you see this little baby there, in the, you are seeing a sacrifice. You are seeing one prepared as an offering for your sin and my sin. A body thou hast prepared for me. That's what you saw there. Perfect sacrifice. He gave himself for us. Why? To redeem us. To buy us back. From all wickedness. See, we are supposed to have been purchased from a wicked lifestyle. And that's why I say to you, if you profess to be a believer and you continue to live a wicked, wicked life, you have not been redeemed. It says here, you've been redeemed from all wickedness. And notice, and to purify for himself. What? Now here it is. This is the reason for the appearance of Christ. This is the reason for Christmas. What is it? Right here. To, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to, to purify for himself what? A people that are his very own. You see those words? Take a look at it in Scripture. That's what the first appearance of Jesus Christ was all about. To purchase a people, to possess a people that he calls his own. That's what it's all about. A people that is his own. His own precious possession. That's what believers are. We are his very own. Isn't that precious? They are his very own. He is mine. And I am his. We are his very own. His very own people are the ones who are now living in this present age to show what Jesus Christ is like. They are the people who are redeemed from all wickedness. They are the people who are purifying themselves unto God so that they could be Christ-like in their, in their lifestyle, eager to do what is good. This is the reason for Christmas right here. Let me ask you something. How is it possible for this Christ-likeness to be manifested in the people of his own? Well, first of all, this little one, in a sense, has to be born again in your life. And your lifestyle 
Your life, we like to say heart, but your life is a filthy manger. He wants to come in, and he wants to cleanse it. And he wants to make that life of yours a temple of his indwelling. And when we allow this Christ to be born in us, as we grow in him, he manifests himself through us. We are able to say no to ungodliness, to outwardly passions. We are able to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives. We are able to say no to wickedness. We are to live pure lives in the face of God and individuals who are involved in good work. That's why we should have no problems of getting all the food and everything we need to feed the poor. Why? Because that's what God's people do. That's what they do. They do good works. A people of his very own. How does he describe them in this passage and as review? He describes his people as those who are redeemed from all wickedness, people who live pure lives, and people who are eager to do good works. That's what it's all about. And so really, the greatest present we can give to Christ today is a pure lifestyle. Same way these parents came today and gave their babies back to God. When Jesus Christ comes into our lives and cleanses that life and purifies that life, what we do? We don't give him the old life. We give him who we are in him, the new life. And then, while we here in this age of grace between the appearance of Jesus Christ the first time and his glorious appearance the second time, the world will still see Jesus Christ in and so I ask you this question today. How will you appear to your unsaved friends during this Christmas season? How will you appear to them? As the person in the old life? The person in the new life? And so I say to you that Christmas and the first appearance of Christ is designed by God to bring into being a people of his own who is characterized by a godly, holy, pure lifestyle filled with doing what is good. That's what the first appearance is all about. And if you are truly anticipating his second appearance, then you will be pure even as he is pure. That's why Jesus Christ first appeared in grace. And that's why he will appear once again in glory. And the scripture says that the life of his own is hidden in God. And when he appears, we shall what? Appear with him in glory. That's what it's all about, my friends. So I ask you again, how are you going to appear before your friends and family this Christmas season as God's very own or your very own. Bow with me in a word of prayer. Take a few moments, quiet reflection. Perhaps God has spoken to you from this passage. 
And it's the day that you want to come into a first relationship with Jesus Christ. You want to experience the grace of God and the person of Jesus Christ in your life. Simply acknowledge that you are a sinner. That Jesus Christ took the punishment of your sin upon himself. And God raised him from the dead to validate that fact. Place your faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work for you. Then allow his grace not only to bring you salvation initially, but also to instruct you how to live that salvation out during this present age as we await the glorious return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we say to you, thank you for your grace, your wonderful, amazing grace. Thank you for the grace of God bringing salvation to all men. And all of God's people said,